Every year at this time, we jump into the middle of a story that's been told for hundreds of years. It's a story of cities decorating their streets and their sidewalks. It's a story of trees and ornaments and fireplaces, of gifts and wrapping paper and ribbons. There's expectation and wonder and hope, a deep hope that drives us back to the beginning of the story. Because it all starts here. It starts in a manger with a baby and an angel and a scared teenage girl in love with a misunderstood young man who thinks she's worth it. It's about a child who will bring light into darkness, joy into despair, revealing a God who will redeem it all. A God who is leaving the glory of heaven to pursue the glory of a cross. A God who is becoming flesh and blood and skin. A God who is loving and offering all people a pathway back into the relationship for which they were created. It's too rich to comprehend and too beautiful to dismiss. This is Christmas. This is the story of stories. And it all starts here. Well, hey there, Oliver. You know, Christmas is going to be right around the corner tomorrow. And I can't think of a better way to start Christmas than by reading you a story. You know, we've read many stories over the last couple of weeks, but this story is probably the most important story that I'm ever going to tell you. And it goes like this. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the earth, every creature was stirring, awaiting a birth. The time for the Messiah was certainly near. The prophets foretold it. The Bible was clear. From the book of beginnings, the very first sin, God's word made it clear how his grace entered in. Born of a virgin, he'd come as a man, the creator among us. The time was at hand. And the stars were arranged in a wonderful sight, sitting wise men on a journey to find their true king. Shepherds in Bethlehem, they gazed on the sky, longing to see him, their Lord, the Most High. And how could they know that the very next night, an angel of God would speak words of delight? How the Savior was born, it was news of great joy. In a cloth and a manger, they'd find the dear boy. And the heavenly host would soon join to sing of the glory of God and of wonderful things. And he entered creation, set position aside to show us how deeply his love did abide. Sin sent us away from our almighty Lord, but he became one of us that we might be restored. He's the prince of our peace. He's the one who makes whole. He's wisdom incarnate. He's the shepherd of souls. He's the author of life. He's the ruler of all. He can offer salvation on his name we call. The shepherds and the wise men, they would bow to adore. Holy God among men, our greatest reward. All glory and honor is due to this king. Let all join in worship. Let every tongue sing that Jesus is Lord. All creation proclaims. Yeah, he's the first and the last, and he's always the same. History turned on that first Christmas day when God became man in a humble display. And as we think of the manger in which he was laid, 
that our hearts welcome him to the world he has made. Always remember this story, Oliver. It's the most important story. seated. I think we just witnessed something really special. And that's really what Christmas is all about. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, of peace. Jesus came that we may have peace. On a night like tonight, Christmas Eve, today, we anticipate before we get to celebrate tomorrow. And we celebrate the arrival of not just anyone, but someone notable, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. That's why all of us are here this evening. And you heard it again expressed in the reading earlier today. How could they know that the very next night, an angel of God would speak words of delight? How the Savior was born, it was news of great joy. In a cloth in a manger, they'd find this dear boy. Jesus came that you may have joy. Joy, peace. Is it even possible with all the things 
that surround us. You know, I asked a few people what they needed for Christmas, not what they wanted, so I didn't want tangible answers, but what they needed for Christmas, and not one of them said joy or peace. Instead, most of them said in no particular order that they needed more time. Some other people said that they needed new technology, either a new phone or a tablet. Others said, we need more money. And some people said, we need a vacation, which all resonate with me. But if we really needed more time, don't you think God would have sent us a clock? If we really needed more technology, God could have sent us a scientist or maybe someone like Steve Jobs or, or, or Bill Gates. And if we needed more money, maybe he would have just sent us an economist. And if we really needed more pleasure, then we would have gotten another entertainer. But God knew what we needed. God knew our greatest need this Christmas was forgiveness, joy, and peace. And what's even more amazing, that the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. You know, the angel of the Lord had appeared with the good news, and the shepherds, the Bible says, immediately went to them. It actually says with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph, and sure enough, the baby lying in a manger. And they knew, without any hesitation, without any question, that God's son had come, the Messiah, and the world would never be the same. Hope was born anew. Joy and peace to all salvation had come as promised by the prophets of old. God, think about this, God in our very midst. The shepherds, overwhelmed by the message and the music of heavenly hosts and being face to face with the arrival of Jesus, that they couldn't contain their excitement and joy. You see, great joy of Christmas comes through receiving God's gift of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And even if you haven't received Christ as your Savior, I mean, surely you, you have some feelings of joy this evening because it is a wonderful time of the year. And if you were to ask anyone, no matter what religion, what is the most joyous time of the year, they would tell you without a question unanimously that Christmas is the most joyful time of the year. That's why we sing joy to the world. That's why we sing it is the most wonderful time of the year because it really captures the essence of Christmas, the essence of joy and peace. It really captures moments like what we just witnessed earlier today. And it is a joy that is intended for all the people it says joy to the world, not just joy to America. It is not a national joy, but a joy to all the people of the world. It is not a joy just to the rich. It's not a financial joy. It is not a joy to the educated. You see, it is not an intellectual joy. It is not a joy to the happy. 
because it's not an emotional joy. It is not a joy to the healthy. It is not a physical joy, and it is not anything else but joy to the world. You see, it is a universal joy. The night before Jesus was born, there was this sense of hopelessness that filled the land throughout Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and into Rome. The Israelites had been waiting up until that moment for a Messiah, for a Savior, for 400 years, and they began to lose hope. You would think that at this point, the scriptures would say, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the Jews and all the Israelites, which were the people that were waiting. But it says, joy to all the people. That means you, and that means me. And I share that with you because oftentimes we feel that joy, this kind of joy, this kind of peace is only intended for everyone else but ourselves because of all the things that we may be going through. You may be going through a difficult time. For some of you, this may be a time where you remember loved ones and it's a very difficult time of the year. But that peace and that joy is yours for the taking. And even the angel said in verse 10, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The word good tidings is, comes from the Greek word, Greek word where, we, where we get the word evangelism, which means to bring good news. And we have a clue as to what those good news is all about in the next verse, verse 11. And there's something unique in that verse that I don't want any of you to miss. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the Bible, but verse 11, three words brought together, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Together in one verse, again, nowhere else in scripture will you find these three words brought together. And these words, along with the words babe in verse 12, really reveal why Christmas is truly a time of joy to the world. First, because it is the joy of the birth of a son. And I think most of us here have experienced a baby being born or watching a baby be part of something. It just brings you joy and peace. Christmas is the joy of blessings of a Savior. Christmas is the joy because the beauty of a sovereign God. And because Jesus is a son, that means that you and I can relate to him because he's just like us. And because he's a Savior, therefore we can respond to him even though we know we probably don't deserve to because we're not perfect. And then we know that he will accept us just the way we are. And Jesus is sovereign, and that's how we must receive him, because that's what he wants for us, that he would be able to guide us and lead us, not only here on earth, but into heaven. You see, the best news that you will ever hear during Christmas is not that Santa Claus is coming to town. The best news you will ever hear at Christmas is, the Lord is come. That is why you and I can receive joy and peace this Christmas. Is it possible? The Bible says, And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Would you help me just give praise and some glory and some honor to that newborn king? He is worthy, so worthy. 
You know, there's a, a little word in the Bible that uh, isn't used very much anymore, but it's really a good word. It's the word behold, behold. But when in the world would you ever use the word behold anymore? How could you ever use that word? Maybe when you're finished getting ready for that Christmas party and you've got on the ugliest sweater you've ever had in your life, you go, announce to the family, behold, <laughs> ugliest thing I've ever had. Uh, maybe you would uh, use the word when you finish decorating your Christmas tree and you stand back and you say to your whole family, behold, our tree. When would you use the word behold? I mean, what does it actually mean to us? Well, it simply means look at this. Or stop and check this out. And usually the word behold isn't used for just everyday things. The word behold is reserved for some very special things and special times. Like when the back doors of a church swing wide open and the groom for the very first time sees his bride in her wedding dress. Behold your bride. It's reserved for special times. Now, when Jesus was born in that barn in Bethlehem, the angels just beheld Jesus for the first time. And the Bible says, in flesh appearing. They had seen God the Son before in the heavens, but now they see him in the flesh appearing. And they beheld him in that way. And the Bible says they began to sing to him. And they began to worship him. So when somebody uses the word behold, it means that something so spectacular has just happened, has just appeared, that they should stop and look. Stop and check it out. And so here's what I want to say to you tonight. This Christmas, God the Father is once again inviting every one of us to just truly behold the Son. God the Son, God the Savior that was born for you. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 2, the, the well-known Christmas story. Take a look at this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be causing great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. On that first Christmas night, the shepherds beheld angels proclaiming the birth of Jesus Christ. And then they were told that they could go and see him, that they could go behold him. And so they did. They took off and they went to see this newborn baby in person, to behold him in person. And there they saw him and they worshiped him. And the Bible says as they left him, they began to tell everybody what they had seen. And what they had seen was just like they had heard from the angels as they beheld him. The question tonight is this, why is it so challenging for us to just stop and behold things that really matter, to stop and behold things like the Savior who was born for us? Why is it so challenging, even at Christmas time, for us to slow down and truly behold Him? I think it's the answer is because there's so many good things to behold, amen? 
There's so many good things to, to enjoy. But if we allow all those good things to so distract us, then we will miss out on the very best things. But the vast majority of people on that night paid zero attention to the Christ child who was born. And the vast majority of people on maybe this night and maybe all day tomorrow will take almost no time to personally focus on him or even lead their family to focus on him. But if we do that, if we take time to behold him, I think we'll experience ourselves at least two phenomenal gifts that none of us should miss. First of all, if you behold him, you can experience the gift of fearlessness no matter on what you're facing tonight. No matter what is coming at you in this life, you can have a gift of fearlessness. Now, why did the angel say, do not be afraid? Well, partly because if an angel shows up in the sky in the middle of the night and starts talking to you, you're going to be afraid. Amen? <laughs> but there's more than that. The Bible shows us that those who were close to Jesus were constantly living without fear. Apostle Paul in prison and, and others living without fear. So this Christmas, I want to encourage you to come closer to him and truly behold him. Take time alone. Take time with your family to truly think about him and behold him and worship him. And you'll find coming from him this gift of fearlessness no matter what's happening in your life. He can give you a peace in the midst of things that would usually cause you great fear. The second you can experience is this, the gift of forgiveness. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When he, when he saw Jesus just walking in the crowd, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Folks, you know, when we sin, it puts a barrier between us and God. So as John the Baptist beheld Jesus, he said, Look, behold, Here's the one who can take care of our sin problem. And he did. 33 years after Jesus was born in that little barn in Bethlehem, he went to the cross and he shed there his perfect sinless blood. He sacrificed his perfect sinless body on the cross to pay for every one of our sins. He paid the price for our sins so that we don't have to. Now, he paid the price, but how can you get him to forgive you? How can you get the gift of forgiveness? Will you just simply and sincerely say, God, I admit, I've blown it. I confess my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead after you died on the cross, that you are God, and you rose from the dead. I believe that, and I invite you to come into my life and from this point on, I'll confess that you are my Savior and my Lord. So this Christmas, I want to encourage you to come and behold the one who was born for you and the one who died on the cross and rose again for you. And then, really, you can receive this gift that nobody else can ever give you the gift of complete forgiveness for all that you've ever done and all that you'll ever do so that you, when you die, you can live with holy God in heaven for all eternity. And all of God's people said, amen. 
this Christmas determined like never before to take time to behold him. Amen? Amen. As you come together around the stockings at the fireplace, as you come together around the table to eat with your family and friends, as you gather around the tree and you begin to share gifts with each other, take time to give thanks to him. Take time to sing praises to him. Take time to offer prayers of thanksgiving to him. Make sure that your children know that you have beheld him, amen? And that you know him. Take time to behold him. And you'll begin to experience the gift of fearlessness, the gift of forgiveness throughout your life. Tonight, would you bow your heads with me? And if you'd like to receive his gifts of fearlessness and especially forgiveness, but you've never invited Christ to come into your heart as Savior and Lord, would you just repeat this prayer in your heart after me? And Jesus Christ will come into your life and forgive you, and he'll give a new and eternal life to you. Would you just repeat this in your heart? Father, thank you for sending your son to pay for my sins and to forgive all my sins. This Christmas, I'm aware of my need for forgiveness and my need of a relationship with the only one who can save me from the penalty I deserve for my sins. That's Jesus Christ the baby born in Bethlehem. So I confess my sins to you. I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask that you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord. And best that I know how, I will follow you. Father, tonight we pray these things and we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. God the Son, who came to earth in the flesh, that we might be a part of your forever family in heaven. We love you tonight. We worship you. And may God, you bless every person here tonight with the gift of fearlessness, the gift of forgiveness, and the gift, just the wonderful gift of great joy as they gather in their homes to celebrate your coming and to celebrate all that you've blessed them with. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's church said, Amen. Amen.
<laughs> amen, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Okay, that sounded like a 9 a.m. service. This is past three. We should be awake. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So glad you're here to join us. And if this is your first time being here at this church, we want to extend a special welcome to you. And what I want to do is draw your attention to two things. Is one, when you walked in, you should have received this winter bulletin that has all the information of what our church will be doing in the next couple of months. So if you want to get plugged in or know about an event, this is your guide to please check that out. And also, if you made a first-time commitment to follow Christ, we would love for you to take some time and fill that out on the little Connect card that was handed out to you. And for announcements, we just have one. This weekend, we are starting our new sermon series called I Quit. And no, the pastor, pastor staff is not all quitting. But what we're looking at is this new year and seeing all the busyness, all the schedules that we have to attain to, or what are some things that we can quit in order to follow God in a different way this year? in order to grow a little bit deeper in our faith. So we're going to be challenging you and ourselves as staff to say, hey, what are some things we can quit to really focus on God? Now, going um, before we go into this next thing, I just want to show you a very, very serious picture of your staff for Christmas. You can go ahead and throw it up there. Super serious picture, and this is just our way to say Merry Christmas from the staff to you all. And now as we go into this next time, what I want to do is uh, call the ushers forward. And if you feel as if God is calling you to give a special gift, if you just want to show God how thankful you are of all the ways that he's moved this past year, or if God's just tucking on your heart, this is the time to do so. Just to say, God, I'm so thankful for all the ways that you moved this past year. I'm thankful for the ways that you've come through in, in areas I didn't think you would. And also, God, I'm looking forward to this next year and all the work you're going to do in our lives. So as the ushers come forward, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for 2019, God. And maybe for some of us in here, it flew by. But God, we thank you for all the ways that you worked this past year. Whether we experienced the loss, God, whether we had tons of joys that we can look back on and see how you blessed us, Lord. Throughout it all, the good and the bad, we know you were present throughout all of it. So we thank you for that, God. We thank you, Lord, for the ways you provided, the ways you come through. And we right now just want to say thank you for all of those things that happened, God. But also, we want to look forward to the new year, Lord, of all the ways you're going to continue to work, continue to move, continue to grow us, and we just ask blessings upon this next year, God. So we thank you for this body. We thank you for this congregation, God. And we're so thankful that you sent your son down to us, God, so we can be in relationship with you. So we pray this all in your holy name. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and pass the trays.